Welcome to episode 8 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. Alongside me, of course, is Jason Lewandowski and producer Dan Humphrey. We are adding a different element to the Digest with interviews and other such content, bringing voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast is brought to you by the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. The Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast is about everything Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. From the teams and games to the people who tell their story of local sports. Lee Mowen shares everything the area has to offer. This weekly podcast covers high school sports, collegiate teams, and the professional clubs. Last week, we had the chance to sit down with two rising stars in the professional game. A rookie coming into the pro ranks, Dawson DePietro, recently signed with the Buffalo Sabres. Talked about his journey to the pros and his mental toughness of proving himself day in and day out in order to be the best that he can. Thought that was a great talk with uh, Dawson. We've got the opportunity to see Dawson play at a youth age and then high school age, and then continue to watch him as he played uh, through uh, his juniors and then collegiate career. So happy for him. And uh, he did give a great message about uh, mental toughness. And, uh, you know, it's okay to understand that you had a bad day. And uh, how do you get through that? I think one of the couple of things that he mentioned one was that he seeks to prove everywhere he is and and always going out and try to improve every day, working on elements of his game he wasn't happy with from the days we saw him in high school all the way through to today. And, and that's that's a good message that young players, players of all level, levels, but especially young players need to hear. And again, his, his mental toughness with his journey and what played in four different junior teams in two years. And, and heck, he's still coming out with a pro contract, so good for him. Then we had a chance to sit down with the Calder Cup winning goaltender in the Carolina Hur- Hurricanes organization. Alex Nadelkovich joined us to talk about winning the Calder Cup and how his aggressive puck moving style of play has led to two professional goals in two leagues and how the guys in front of him uh, have adapted to the way that he moves the puck. I-, I loved when he was talking about that and, you know, giving the coaches and the defensemen a little bit of a heart attack. Um, but, you know, there's another guy that talked about his – you know, I think he started a lot of his his stories about that Calder Cup run with him saying, you know, I just didn't have my best game and I knew I needed to get better. Um, he got pulled in one game and he talked about how that that's okay. He talked about the two goalie system. So I think owning some of your faults in order to get better was a huge statement. Oh, absolutely. And the other thing that he, he said that stood out was, you know, I'm not one of those guys that sits there and cries or pouts because I got pulled or I'm not playing. Hockey's a team game. It always is and always will be. I mean, that's huge. You have, you know, you, we've all seen instances where, you know, this, maybe the star doesn't get the minutes that he wants or the alleged star doesn't get the minutes that he wants and maybe he becomes a little bit of a distraction to the team. But, you know, I, I remember watching Alex's first game when he came in in relief in, in Columbus and, and he just – he looked like – I don't want to say a breath of fresh air because, you know, you're playing at NHL level, everybody's good it doesn't matter, you know, how long you've been in the league, you're there for a reason. And, and then to watch in, in, in the, I don't know, however many games he played this season for Carolina in, in uh, the NHL, he, man, he gets out of that net. He gets out of there fast. He's moving the puck. When you listen to Alex talk about 
the details that went into the Calder Cup win and and just his details of every day and his mental side to succeed. You know, the kid's the kid's young and he's high in the depth chart with the Carolina Hurricanes. Obviously, he's seen some NHL time and you know, hopefully things keep going in the right direction and and he makes it a, a full time move to the NHL. Yeah, let's hope another Cleveland kid making it in the NHL. It'd be good. Uh, this week we're hitting the road. Start up the bus, Jay. We're heading down to Dayton to speak with a man that has almost 2,000 play-by-play broadcasts underneath his belt to go along with 500-plus calls as a public address announcer at the college level, as well as 143 podcast episodes to his name. Lee Malwin joins us to discuss his career in broadcasting. Then heading farther south, we hit Oxford, Ohio, where we'll be joined by head coach of the Talawanda Braves, Zach Sens. Zach returns to Talawanda, his alma mater, to lead the Braves to a 31 win season and a Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League title. We're very excited to talk to both these gentlemen today, but as we do before we get to our guests, let's see what's good with the boys. How's everyone doing? Jay, you doing well? Yeah, man, uh, back working and everything's uh, almost status quo. Um, you know, obviously precautions are in place. Uh, I'm around people quite a bit, so what we're supposed to do, we're doing, and, and I'm just happy to be out of the house. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I'm a little confused. I gotta be honest with you. I'm not one of these conspiracy theorists or any of that stuff. But man, it seemed like in the last two weeks we went from complete lockdown to just everything just open up. Like just so go ahead, whatever. You want to go swimming? Go swimming. You want to go to a gym? Go to a gym. I went to the gym for the first time this morning. They opened it up. I went to the uh, gym. This, I went to the gym this morning. Um, how much you bench? Were you benching? How oh, much no, you bench? No, no, I'm not a bencher. Not okay. a bencher. I, I, I go to the Orange Theory. You ever hear Orange Theory? Oh yeah, I uh, did some work at one one time. So not the, ex- not the exercise kind of, yes. but they did a nice job of, of, uh, social distancing people. I didn't feel like intruded on or anything. I don't know. It just, it just seems weird that everything just like goes from complete lockdown to now, you know, everything's open now, but we do have, you know, I've been back at work at school, uh, you know, with the other administrators trying to, you know, hopefully get some directions from the government and the governor on, on how to proceed, um, into, you know, hopefully a, a normal school year coming up. Dan, what about you? Um, you know, just taking advantage of the nice weather. We went out to uh, uh, cultural gardens yesterday. That's around. way off my rate. That's way off my radar, bro. <laughs> or on the east side, you know, it's uh, he's, it's not. He's, he's he's been there. He's been there. He just doesn't remember it. It's not a stroller friendly. I'll tell you that. There's lots of steps, and we had a sleeping baby, so. We didn't get to see too much of it, but like you said, too, back at work and what we were talking about today, I mean, it seems like we're going back in the fall. Right now is their plan, so yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, let's hope we get some sort of normalcy, but at the same time, you know, people got to be a little bit uh, safe as well. I uh, um, I had an epic fail. I, I have to, you know, I, I was going to do this dry-aged uh, steak. I told you guys about that. Uh we were on day 14 and decided to cook it up. And it was like, uh, I was eating shoe leather. It was, it was like, it was terrible. It was absolutely so, terrible. So I got to go back to the uh, drawing board on the uh, dried meats. I, I did something wrong. What, what, how did the, I guess, how did the mold look like? What, what, did, what was the paint us a visual picture of what it looked like and why you decided to go? Well, I'm not Picasso, but okay. I'll try to paint you a picture. Oh, um, wow. All right. Well, it's going to be that kind of day. <clears throat> I, uh, go ahead. No, it, the mold, like, 
I just cut the mold off and I just realized that it was a little, it was very, it was almost like beef jerky. And I probably should have just made beef jerky at that point, but I decided to put it on the grill and uh, it just didn't, that just didn't work. Didn't work. We ended up having the leftover ribs that I smoked the day before. So uh, okay. didn't even, didn't work. How many days are you supposed to let it sit? Well, they said you could, it depended on the thickness. You said you could let it sit 14 to 21, but it was, it was getting, I mean, it was freaking dry, dude. Like there was nothing left in it. Right. And, um, and it was the thin, it was the thinner cut of steak. So I probably maybe should have only gone like seven. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. It was my first time doing it. I'm going to give it a shot again though. Um, but you know, here's the crazy thing. I let this rotting piece of meat in my refrigerator for 14 days and it didn't smell at all. I, because, because of the salt or what? Is it trying, is pu- pulling everything out of it? I have no idea. I have no idea. It wasn't a lot of mold either. I'm mean, just little pieces of mold that I had to cut off. That's what they said. That's normal. But I don't know. We'll get back at it. You know, now that uh, we're going to have some good news here about the NHL starting up again. And, and maybe I don't have to like waste my time now trying to find things to dry age in the refrigerator. And I can actually do some <laughs> <laughs> stuff, to, you know, so uh, good. But anyhow. Anyhow, well, let's dive into the digest and see what is making news in the world of hockey today. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman announced that the league will return to play later this summer with a 24-team playoff. Bettman says he does not anticipate training camps opening before the first half of July. If training camp is three weeks long, the 2019-2020 season will not be resuming before August. Bettman said the league expects to operate out of two hubs and confirmed that Columbus is still in the running, along with Chicago, Dallas, Edmonton, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Vancouver. The Columbus Mavericks of the United States Premier Hockey League will be hosting a joint camp with the Manchester Monarchs of the tuition-free National Collegiate Development Conference at Wernerhurst Ice Arena in Lakewood, Ohio, June 18th and 19th. Registration will be capped at 50 players, 42 skaters, and eight goalies. Sign up for this great opportunity at www.columbusmavericks.com slash future players. On Thursday, we talked to Columbus native Io Adinier, a veteran of the Cleveland Junior Jacks and the AAA Ohio Blue Jackets, about preparing to begin his NCAA Division I career with University of Alabama Huntsville's Chargers this fall. Adinier, who played Tier 2 Junior A with the Carlton Place Canadians of the Central Canada Hockey League the past two seasons, talked about his D1 commitment and who helped him get him there. It happened my U18 year playing out of the Ohio AAA Blue Jackets So I would definitely like to thank Ed Ginger for raising me up the way that he did, making me a better defenseman, and uh, helping me get in contact with the University of Alabama Huntsville. Obviously, I have to thank my parents for pushing me for everything. My teammates for pushing me. Nothing would have been possible without all my teammates throughout the years. And um, John Hafferman from the Columbus Ice Hockey Club, that's where I started playing hockey. He's, uh, He's my hero. He is my role model. I look up to him, and he has definitely helped me get everywhere that I am today. Unfortunately, Adam Wandon of College Hockey News reported Friday that the University of Alabama, Huntsville, is cutting the hockey program effective immediately. Io had such a great story to tell, and we had, it, had talked to him about coming on the podcast as a guest around the start of the college hockey season. So we are very disappointed for that young man. Complicating matters for him and the fact that he does not have any junior eligibility remaining. 
He was still processing the news over the weekend and was not sure what the next step would be for him in his hockey career, but had already started to reach out to other college programs to see what options he might be able to identify. The coronavirus pandemic has created massive budget problems at many universities across the country. And Wudan said he does not think Alabama Huntsville will be the last hockey program affected. On Tuesday morning, University of Alabama Huntsville hockey booster announced a drive to raise $1 million by Friday, May 29th, to keep the program afloat. Donations can be made at www.gofundme.com. A new three-on-three hockey league, Three Ice, is set to debut next year across North America with six Hockey Hall of Famers among the coaches of the eight inaugural teams and Craig Patrick as their league's commissioner. The eight coaches are four-time Stanley Cup winner Grant Fuhrer, six-time Cup winner Brian Trottier, three-time champion Guy Carboneau, five-time All-Star John Clare, four-time Olympian Angela Ruggiero, four-time Stanley Cup winner Larry Murphy, three-time Cup champion Joe Mullen, and Ed Johnson. Three ice will consist of 56 players, eight teams of seven individuals, with six skaters and one goaltender per squad. Three ice has partnered with TSN in Canada and CBS Sports in the U.S. to broadcast games. Who would you guys say would be the best three-on-three players uh, to play with from your playing days? Who would you pick? Oh, anywhere oh. from then up, any anywhere any anybody you've played with and or coached, pick three on three. Oh my God! No matter what I say, people are going to yell at me. So um, that's going to happen. That's going to happen anyways. Yeah, I mean, trust me, it's a, it's a normal thing. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a tough one. I don't know. I don't think I can answer that right now. Okay, Danny. Right. Um. We're going to dig back in the vault here. You guys will remember. Just bring back the Coglin line. <laughs> yeah. Just Coughlin, Johnny, Coughlin, Johnny Coughlin. and Mike Coglin. And Danny Coglin. I mean, Danny, Danny Humphrey Coglin. There you go. Oh, yeah. You know, what I, you know what I'd like to do is I'd like to have maybe our listeners go on our uh, Twitter account when we, when we download this and maybe add who they would, who they would want. You know, who would be who'd be your ideal three-on-three player? And listen, it doesn't have to be the guys you played with. It could be. But let's just say, let's keep it Ohio. <clears throat> any any player that's played in Ohio, either you played with, that's played at, at the next level, that you might have played against, whatever it may be. You know, have, have I'd love to hear from our listeners and, and see what they, they would say. Put it, put it out there. Let's go. Three-on-three. Who are you picking? 16-year-old Youngstown Phantom Ford, Yusaku Ando, announced his commitment to Minnesota State for the 2021-2022 season. Ando has represented Japan internationally at the U16 and U18 level, scored eight goals and 25 points in 40 games for the fans. He's expected to be back in Youngstown for another year of development in the United States Hockey League next season. Youngstown general manager and head coach Mark Patterson said Ando is a tremendously gifted scoring forward who exceeded expectations in his rookie season in the USHL by always staying a step ahead of the competition and making players better around him. Patterson expects Ando to succeed in college ranks and to draw attention from the NHL scouts as well. Let's hear from Coach Patterson. Sacco's a tremendously talented, offensively gifted, uh, scoring forward for us. Uh, he's a guy who came in last year and 
really had no expectations of him coming into camp and, and doing what he did at camp, let alone uh, what he did this past season. So that's a huge credit to him. Uh, he makes everyone around him better. He's, uh, he's another level. He's always a couple steps ahead and um, has the athleticism to, to really play ahead of the pace. Coach Patterson also wanted to point out to our listeners that Ando was not selected until the 329th pick in phase, in the Phase 2 of the 2019 USHL Draft, showing that any player in any situation can take the ball or puck and run with it and earn a spot. The National Women's Hockey League's sixth team that begins play in the league's sixth season will be the Toronto Six. The name was selected in a Name the Team poll on the league's website after the NWHL's first team for Canada was announced last month. The team's uniforms will be unveiled in the coming weeks. Olentangy Orange High School has promoted Brenton Blasky, an assistant with the team the past two seasons, to the position of head coach to replace the departed J.D. Damarath. Blasky has also coached with the Prowler Hockey Association and the AAA Ohio Blue Jackets program in the past. Caleb Rink of the Kent Cyclones signed with the Lake Erie Bighorns of the United States Premier Hockey League for the 2021 season. Congratulations to Caleb on this accomplishment. Check www.ohiohockeydigest.com for a listing of Ohio players moving on to higher levels of hockey for next season. Let's get to our first guest, the voice of the Springboro Panthers hockey and Centerville Elks hockey broadcasts and the host of the Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast, Lee Malwin. The second period of today's podcast is brought to you by the Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast. From the teams and games to the people who tell their story of local sports, Lee Malwin shares everything the area has to offer. Our first guest is the man behind the mic for both Springsboro and Centerville hockey teams. Since 2006, our guest has broadcasted 1,197 times. He's a public address announcer for Dayton University men's soccer and baseball teams. He's a public address announcer for the Wright State University soccer, softball, and baseball team. He hosts the Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast, and we congratulate him today on his 150th episode. Please welcome on air from West Alexandria, Ohio, Lee Malwin. Welcome, Lee. Hey, guys. It's it's an honor to be part of your podcast. I'm very excited. And I think I'm the first broadcaster on here. So, yay me. Hey, first real broadcaster, that's for sure. We just pretend. No, no. Yeah, but, this, uh, this is all show and yeah. tell for us, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so we have you on the show today because you've seen a lot of high school hockey down in the south mm-hmm. part of the state. Um, but before we get into that, you know, tell us a little bit about your background and other types of announcing work that you do. Um, and, and that we probably will ask you for some tips at towards the end so we can try to refine our skill here. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. Um, I've always wanted to be a broadcaster since I was a kid, but I really didn't get into sports until like 2004 when I was in high school. So eventually when I went to school at Wright State, I became part of the college radio station. And I just started broadcasting games. And eventually when I took over as sports director, we started calling Wright State hockey games. And man, those were a lot of fun calling uh, WSU hockey games, especially against the uh, University of Dayton Flyers too. Man, I could tell you a story where there was at one time six Flyers in the sin bin, five Raiders, just because there was a massive fight. I mean, 
man, those were fun times. And I wish Wright State <laughs> hockey didn't go away. But basically, I started sports casting in 2006, and eventually, uh, the highest level I've called has been the Dayton Demons and Demolition of the Federal Hockey League. That's uh, single A, and no longer in Dayton, as Hair Arena is no longer a uh, an open arena. It's, it's it got hit hard last year with those tornadoes. But basically, that's uh, that's me. I broadcast mostly hockey, but you know, hopefully, I'll get a chance to broadcast uh, baseball again this summer. But yeah, I've I've seen now four seasons of high school hockey with uh, the Centerville Elks and the Springboro Panthers. And I, I tell you, this this year was a little tough for me just because the freshmen that I saw with Centerville and Springboro, they're now gone. They're seniors. They're, they've served their four years, and it's going to be different for my fifth year. But it, it's, it's great to see high school hockey, and I wish it was a sport more covered in Dayton than Cincinnati. What got you interested in, in and started in broadcast, I know, I know you started when you got to college at Wright State, and and but what what got you interested? Well, when I was a kid, uh, Channel Seven, the CBS affiliate in Dayton, there was an anchor, Jim Baldridge, and I always thought that's what I really want to do. Outside teaching, I want to be an on-air anchor, so people get hear me talk about the news. Sports really didn't, you know, become part of the picture until college. Really, I, I mean, I got hooked. My first basketball game, we were on press row. We watched a women's basketball game. It was an exhibition. And hockey took me a couple more years to get into, but I, I've always wanted to broadcast. And I always thought my, my biggest talent was using my voice and running my mouth to talk about <laughs> stuff. <laughs> that's, that's probably not the best way to explain it, but uh, I've always wanted to broadcast. It's always been an ambition of mine since I was a kid. No, any, anyone else uh, other than Jim, like uh, Dick Vitale or anyone else? You know, I wasn't in sports as a kid, but I always remember the dean of sports in Dayton, Omar Williams, great sports director for Channel 2. Mike Hartsock, he's been there since the 80s at WHIO. He's, uh, he's up there. And mostly the play-by-play guys I get to listen to during the fall and winter seasons. I learn a lot from them. And, you know, Actually, my hockey voice is Paul Edmonds of the Winnipeg Jets. I always love hearing him call play-by-play, and it's just amazing how quick he's able to point out players and point out plays, and just it's it's something I strive to um, do. You know, have that level of uh, fluidness to a call. And right, I, I always I always said that Doc Emmer could make a root canal sound interesting. Yeah, he's he's up there too. I mean, with his. Uh, intense knowledge of vocabulary i mean that's that's something to admire and also he got uh, i believe he got started in port huron michigan uh back in the day and that's actually where the demons went wound up in port huron michigan as the prowlers oh, okay but yeah i mean great broadcaster now lee you, you've done college minor pro hockey games as well as high school play-by-play mm-hmm. what do you like best about broadcasting hockey games Oh, hockey is, it's just, it's so much fun. It's, it's probably the most physical you can get in a sporting event. And I know people are going to say, but football, you got my tackling and everything, but hockey, you do that. And it's just like, okay, you know, there's that. I mean, I think just, there's something about hockey and I don't know what it is. I, I feel like broadcasting with Centerville and Springboro, I've become part of their, you know, their everyday life during the hockey season. So that's really cool. 
uh, being part of their families and everything, but just seeing how these athletes, you know, hold up, it's, it's not an easy sport. And I definitely admire all the hockey players I get to cover in my time. You know, I'm going to probably make some enemies here with the football guys and, and football fans, but uh, I've always found it interesting way to answer that question uh, when it says, well, you know, football, this and hockey. Yeah. Well, you're right. Football is very physical, just like hockey uh, football. Uh, you, you don't go as fast as you do on skates. And in football, if you got a 250 pound linebacker uh, chasing you down, you can run out of bounds. And if they hit you, you get 15 yards for a penalty in hockey. If that 215 pound guy is skating 27 miles an hour at you, you go into a wall. You don't get to run out of bounds. No, pretty, uh, you're absolutely right. And even if you get checked, then that play still continues unless it's a brutal injury. But yeah, I mean, just the physicality you have to bring to a hockey rink game in, game out, practice in, practice out. It's it's something to be admired. And it's something that I could never do. That's why I broadcast it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we at the top of the uh, show, we talked about you being in, involved with uh, some high school teams and watching a lot of high school hockey. Mm-hmm. Um who are some of the top high school players you were able to uh, cover last year? Uh, you know, and I know most teams got their seasons done, um, but, you know, was there a couple players that you were really impressed with? Oh, man, there's uh, getting a chance to broadcast not only in the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League, but in the Capital Hockey Conference with Springboro. You see a lot of athletes, and I'm going to feel bad if I, when I get off this call and I'm, oh, I forgot that athlete. Great. Right. Right. Um, and I know up next or before this, however, uh, this uh, podcast episode lies, uh, you're going to talk with Zach Sens, who ran uh, the Talawanda Brave hockey team as well. Man, they had a lot of great athletes as well. Uh, I think Brandon Cameron, his senior year, he had a very good uh, career with Talawanda. Definitely think he did a great job. Uh, let's see. I, I'm trying to cover all my teams in Southwest Ohio. And yeah, I kind of put you. I kind of put you on the spot there. I'm oh, sorry that, about that. But oh, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, let me start with my teams that I cover. Um, I'll start with Centerville and Riley Herrin. He was our senior captain. He he played forward. He played defender his four years, and I think he was the emergency goalie at one point. But <laughs> I tell you, this year for Centerville, the record might have been rough, but that kid, Riley Herrin. He played his tart out the entire time, and he definitely deserved that captaincy. And I, I have nothing but respect for him. He, he always led the Elks with class. He was, he was a great player, and that's one of the players I'm really going to miss next year just because, yeah, I mean, Herrin might have not been top in terms of scoring or anything, but, again, he's a captain. He's right defender, left defender. He's taking face-offs he's everywhere on that ice and there was a couple times Centerville had six skaters and one goalie and yeah he skated what was that game was it the MLK tournament against Elder or Troy he didn't come off the ice until like late in the third period or if that but yeah Riley Herrin's definitely an athlete I'd say I had the honor of calling uh, for Springboro. I, I have a couple. Slate Surikov, man, that guy has – he's great with the hockey stick. He's so smooth on the ice. He's quick. He's a great goal scorer, and I know the Panthers are going to miss him next year. Uh, Coleman Hauser, he's, he's like Riley Herrin in the sense where I covered him his freshman year, and he became captain. He started as a forward, I think a center, if I remember right, his uh, freshman, sophomore years, then became a defender, and his younger brother, Braden Hauser, was the backup goalie. 
this year, which was neat to see. So uh, definitely a lot of about the same thing with Coleman Hauser, except Springboro never had just six skaters. I mean, the, I, I tell you, Springboro always has a very full roster, and I, I applaud them for that. But, um, you know, uh, going back to Centerville, I'll say Joe Numbers. That kid, uh, that he was another senior. He's going to be serving in our military very shortly. I mean, stood on his head game in, game out. And I know there were some tough losses in there, but that kid never gave up. So definitely those four I'll throw in the mix. Talawanda, I mentioned, Brandon Cameron. Uh, Reed Benamati is one that I like watching skate. I think he did a nice job. But then again, there's no uh, there's no sorts of great hockey players I can mention for Talawanda. Uh, the Elder Panthers, um, who can I pick? Uh, Tyler Sayuda, he was a good goalie. Uh, I think he'll do well with the purple and white. St. X, there was uh, a couple. Alex Hill. Uh, I can mention uh, Noah Reedy. Man, that kid could skate as well for the Bombers. For Moeller, uh, Brennan Morton-Strauss. Uh, I think he was the only goalie that Moeller had. I could be wrong on that. They have a freshman on their varsity team, Moeller does, in Walleye Ratliff. Man, he's going to be fun to watch the next few years for the Fighting Crusaders. And let's see, uh, Sycamore. I really enjoy watching Colin O'Shea. That guy. Man, he he was the real deal, and I wish he had more time with Sycamore. He he just became a senior. Um, he, he skated with Sycamore just this year, and he was a senior. And I really wish we could have saw what he did with, you know, the Aves that year. Mason, uh, they're on the up and up. I always like talking to their head coach, uh, Seth Knudsen. Um, I go with Nick Gentz on that, and. Like I mentioned, good quality guy out there, leads the team out there for the Comets. I definitely enjoy that. Heading back up, I think I covered all the Cincinnati teams, I think. Um, for Beaver <laughs> Creek, I'll have to go with the captain, Cole Gutterman. That guy, great center and great leader on the ice for the Beavers. Uh, and Thomas Bush, man, that that wing-center combo, I mean, that won most of the games. In fact, Cole Gunnerman scored eight goals against the Troy Trojans in the Mayor's Cup in the 17-0 win against Troy. Alter, uh, definitely you, the you, Augustine did you say, brothers. Did you say 17-0? Yeah, yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I called that wow. game. It was 17-0. It, was, um, it wasn't great for the Trojans, but you know what? Beaver Creek, they, they have a potent team. And like I mentioned, Gutterman and Bush. So, so Rook, I don't mean to interrupt you. Oh, that's so all right. you, you. A game like that, 17-0, right? Mm-hmm. You're calling the game, right? Were you live at the game? Yes. Uh, I was uh, a second-story lobbyist of Metro Sportsplex. That's uh, that's my crow's nest. And just watching that game, I mean, 17-0. It's, it's tough to have uh, you know positive things to talk about. But Yeah, right. I mean, for question. Troy, you got to look. The senior goalie, Connor Bell, that's his first year with Troy. And he wasn't a goalie for several years with the Bruins. That's the youth hockey team in Troy. I mean, that kid was battling. I mean, I can't, I mean, there's things to work on. Sure. I mean, what athlete doesn't have that, but at the same time, he's still battling, but Beaver Creek is just, they were a really good team. Right. How do you, how do you keep the call? How do you keep the call from goal one to goal? Let's just say 12 and 12 on. How do you keep that exciting to, like, you know, other, I'm sure when you call a goal and I've heard some of your broadcast brief snippets of it, and and you have a very exciting voice, and it was very entertaining to listen to. After goal 10 or goal 8, how does it stay exciting for you? Well, I, I always have to remember, you know what? These are high school kids. 
and my model as a sportscaster is if I can't do that better, I don't, I, I don't criticize on that, yeah. which, you know, that's pretty much making a save. I don't think, like I said, there's a reason why I broadcast and not play sports. I'm not good at sports, but for me, well, actually to answer the first part of your question, how I keep track of everything. Yep. Let's just say I own stock in Dollar Tree legal pads. <laughs> I buy like 10 of those in a year, and that's where I have all my rosters and everything, and I try to keep track as best I can. But like I mentioned, I, I often remember, hey, you know, you not only have Beaver Creek folks and fans listening and watching this game, you have Troy fans too. So I try to make it where, you know, everyone gets a little bit something. And plus with the benefit of having seen Beaver Creek and Troy constantly for previous four years, I have a lot of stuff they can bring up. It's like, Hey, remember this or remember that? Or, or me being a big logo and Jersey nerd, I could talk about how classic Troy's jerseys are or how the uh, new Beaver Creek jerseys differ from their old ones, man. I okay. missed their old ones, but I think the new <laughs> ones are a lot easier to read, but there you go. I, I hope I answered that question. Correctly. Absolutely. Did. Absolutely. Did. Hey, and, 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 and you're a student of the game in your profession and you watch, I'm sure you've seen, on broadcasts where uh, they'll, they'll interview coaches and players in the middle of a game mm-hmm. or maybe at a, maybe at a stoppage, uh, not, not necessarily at the intermission, but during a stoppage and play like a TV coming out of a TV timeout or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. What's your feeling on that? And, and do you ever get the opportunity to maybe interview a coach or grab a coach and, and ask them a quick question during a game? I, I don't because I know the coaches have – this is probably going to make me sound bad, but I know the coaches have a job and I, I try to leave them alone during the game, unless there's something like I desperately need, like, who's that number? I don't, I don't have him. Yeah. <laughs> who's that? Please help me. But um, I don't get the chance for uh, high school hockey and the best I could do when I was with the demons and demolition, I always did uh, pregame interviews, which we were the only team to do that at the time. And I learned a lot from the coaches that way. Okay. Uh, my feelings on that, I mean, it's it's a neat it's a neat thing to have because you're listening and you're learning from the coaches. But at the same time, that could be a pain because, again, the coaches have to worry about, you know, line changes, defensive pairings. They have to worry about showing on the ice. And then you have someone talking to you like, but I'm trying to watch the game or something. And I know right. it's there's probably a break on there. But I, I don't know. I can see the good and the bad from that. From a fan span, uh, fan's point of view, it's fantastic. From someone on the bench, uh, I don't know. I've, I can't say with a pinpoint accuracy if that's good for them or not. Right, right. <laughs> well, you're obviously, you're obviously very knowledgeable of, of uh, high school sports and, and Ohio High School Athletic Association, uh, especially when it comes to hockey. Um, yeah, there's been many discussions about breaking – uh, the state up into two divisions, maybe three divisions. Uh, well, how, first of all, what's your thought on that? And how do you think that would be received in the Cincinnati and Dayton area? So I saw that poll and I definitely voted and I f- forget if I voted one or two. Um, personally for me, I could see one being fine just because there's not every school in Ohio has hockey, especially down here in Southwest Ohio, where all the schools that you get to hear a lot about for football and basketball, maybe baseball even, they don't have hockey. It's a rarity down here. I mean, and I know it's tough because there's a lack of ice around the area and it's pretty bad in Cincinnati. We have three sheets in the span of a mile and that's kind of it. 
whereas Dayton's a little bit better. We have several rinks around here, but I could, I could see the benefit of having two divisions, maybe like small team, small school and large team, large school. I don't know if I want to do private versus public because then you're going to get that whole can of worms. I mean, there's a big argument about football, like, but they recruit and we can't and everything. I, I don't want to touch up that, but I could see the benefit of having like smaller teams that maybe can't get as many athletes as the other teams. I could see the benefit of that. And you know, that'd be nice, but right now I'm okay with one division two, just because, you know, there's not that many teams and Cincinnati Dayton has to be roped into Columbus. And if you, if you want to be, you know, in the frozen four, you got to beat some of the uh, big muscle slingers in Columbus, like your Dublin Jerome, Olentangy Liberty, Upper Arlington, man, what a great year they had. New, New Albany. New I, Albany. Yeah. Oh, I was, I was surprised, but then I was like, wow, that's a very big win for the Eagles. And they made their first frozen four and they can't play it because the, coronavirus and i'm still sad about that but yeah anyway well, well that, that's obviously it's been a hot topic and and you know i've been around this game for a long time and and it is it's definitely been a topic that um has had a lot of discussion and i can see the benefit of having two but then where's the argument stop like why not three why not have super small and small and large or small medium large or you sound like you're ordering McDonald's right there. <laughs> Super size district, go! Yeah. <laughs> you're saying, Ignatius, you go in the supersized district. There we go. Yeah, right. Hey, I hope. Okay. I have nothing against St. I, by the way. I was just, I was kind of really hoping to see that upset win for Dublin Jerome last, last uh, state title game, just because first Columbus team ever to make the title game. And they would have been the first team outside Cleveland Toledo area to win the state title. And the only team to do so would be Centerville back in 1979. And our home jerseys uh, had that old logo they wore when they won the state title. I know that uh, that wasn't mentioned on all, but hey, I was happy to bring up Cincinnati Dayton. Absolutely. Is there any sport you haven't announced or done a broadcast for that you would like to? I know uh, I read you were interested in some tennis. I wouldn't mind tennis. I actually got to cover, what was that year? 2014, 15, the Western and Southern Open in Cincinnati, right across from Kings Island. That was a lot of fun. That'd be cool to broadcast. Uh, I've only done one lacrosse game, but it's always a sport that I really want to get back into. But just, you know, most of the time, that's my college baseball season and college baseball is my spring. So uh, lacrosse is definitely up there. Uh, Mentioned tennis track. I, I think track would be cool. I, I was a PA announcer for Wright State Swimming and Diving until that program got cut, which that was sad. But that was a lot of fun, just watching swimming and diving. That was really, really cool. Uh, golf, I know that might surprise some folks, but, hey, I never tried golf. I never covered the sport, so why not? Uh, although I probably don't have the voice for it, let's be honest. My voice is like this, and if I call golf, I have to be, okay, well, there's the putt. And I would be like, hey, there's a great putt. <laughs> hey, I, bring, I probably some, would bring be, some life to it. It'd be great. Yeah. I should also I'm mention good. high school wrestling. I get to announce a Christmas tournament, but okay. uh, I never got a chance to broadcast it. I think that'd be pretty cool, too, because that's a very physical sport as well. I mean, getting to see the holiday tournament and like 50 schools, you know, compete, that's 
that's a lot of fun. And that's, that's really good time too. Right. So, so you talk about, you know, and I'm sure being able to go to the, I mean, someone who, who loves sports and all types of sports, and then you get mm-hmm. to go and then be involved in them by calling the, the game or the match or whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there's an element to live broadcasting, but what are some of your most memorable moments uh, of your broadcasting career? You hockey fans are going to love and, this. Because- and, 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 you're, and you're not allowed to say being on this show because we know that's the top one. So. <laughs> well, darn, I was going to say that. Um, actually, I think something that will always uh, stay with me to the end of time, when the Dayton Demons got to hoist the FHL Cup, it was the 2013-14 season, and we got in the FHL finals again. We took on the Danbury Whalers out of Connecticut, and they took the first two games in Connecticut. And then game three was back in Dayton. And I hear the Whaler fans on Facebook saying, oh, it's going to be another sweep year. It, they're going to fold like a cheap card table. But then game three, our, uh, our captain defenseman, Brian Marks, scores from the blue line. And we win in an OT three to two. Next game, game four, we win it three to one in regulation. And we have brand new black jerseys. And I just remember being so excited. And game three, I think I had a lot more butterflies in my stomach just because the cup could end tonight. And it was rumored the cup was in Hare Arena just because, you know, Danbury could have won it again via second sweep. Dayton had a phenomenal uh, regular season the year prior and then got swept in the final. That's why it's so important. Game three and four, I got to call. Game five, I didn't because I was calling an indoor football game. The Dayton Sharks were at Hare Arena. But after that game, I remember packing up my stuff, heading to the Hare Pub and watching game five. I think there was about three minutes left and it was like nine to two Dayton. But that will always stay with me just because I got to call a championship and I still have the championship ring and I wear it every single game. And it's shown a little bit damage um, because I'm kind of uh, a klutz, but uh, (laughs) I wear that everywhere I go because I I love that story. And I know people are going, well, it's only single A or the Federal Hockey League only had four teams or it's a glorified beer league. Well, the Dayton Demons were my team. That was the team I broadcasted for. And it means the world to me that, you know, I got a ring and I got to call four years with the demons and demolition. I mean, that's, that will always stay with me. Uh, getting back to high school football last year with the Loveland Tigers, that meant a lot to me in Cincinnati. Uh, the team went 0-10, and I got to call all but four games. But at the same time, that will always stick with me because I, I'm working in Cincinnati. It's the city I love more than anything. And, you know, I got back into high school football. And I think my first year broadcasting high school hockey was Centerville and everyone really appreciative of, you know, my job. I think that means the world to me just because at that point I thought my career was it, uh, it was over. That was it. After demolition folded up and hair arena closed, I, I didn't know what I was going to do uh, broadcasting wise. And then the guy that owns South Metro Sportsplex, Nick Poe, he eventually gets me on as the number two play-by-play broadcaster for the Cincinnati Thunder junior hockey team. And then a little bit later in the season, it's like, hey, uh, we're thinking about broadcasting Centerville Elks hockey. You in? Yep. And uh, it's been four seasons after that. I traveled with the team for most of their games. I got to meet so many great people. And, yeah, it's, it's been a great ride. And uh, it's something I'll always remember. 
and also being part of this podcast. So you know, <laughs> hey, our, mon- our, our money, our money, our uh, money spends well for you. Thanks for taking our money and, and saying that for us. Wait, what money? Yeah, well, it's coming. Don't worry. It's a, you know, with the corona, things are delayed. <laughs> It'll get to you. Hey, what's on the horizon for you in the broadcasting world? I know you you just signed on for a baseball club down there in, in Cincinnati. And what's going on with that, considering the uh, pandemic situation? Wow, Jason. Um, <laughs> well, the uh, I think, I think you stumped him, Jay. Broadcast for what? Either either that, or I'm getting yelled at. He I, called I, me by my actual name. I, I think I think I think you I want to be him. more personal. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> I appreciate. It. No, I'm I just, just playing around. <laughs> oh um, man, I hate this pandemic. Can I mention that enough? <laughs> college baseball season actually uh i was hired to be the play-by-play voice of the champion city kings in springfield ohio and i was really looking forward to it because i've been out of baseball play-by-play for a while too and uh the season was supposed to start uh thursday in Coffee. and now i'm waiting until july 1st and what worries me the kings are in the prospect league there was another local uh, league the great lakes uh summer collegiate league they canceled their season just a week or two ago, and I'm worried the Prospect League is going to do the same thing because the Prospect League is more spread out. You're going to eastern Missouri all the way to Beckley, West Virginia, where I used to go up to Jamestown, New York, even when I was with the mm-hmm. River Rats in that same league. But Well, if you saw any of the videos from Missouri this weekend – down in the Lake of the Ozarks. They're wide open over there, so they're not only playing baseball, but they're they're they're, they're doing a whole bunch of stuff down there. So I just hope it happens in Ohio cuz you know what? I mean, we're almost 2 months through the pandemic and I'm missing my sports. I'm just happy I got through my uh, hockey broadcasting season. I got through the youth tournaments that I normally do to wrap up and I got into college baseball for four games and that was it. And yeah. I'm waiting on sports to come back and I'm hoping there's high school football, and I'm certainly hoping there's high school hockey. Right, right. Well, we agree with you, and you know, we, we hope that we start to feel and see this uh, something get back to normal. Uh, Lee, it was a great talking to you, great learning a little bit about yourself and uh, Southwest Ohio sports. We at the Digest, and personally cannot thank you enough for coming on the podcast today and sharing some of your stories with us. Tim, Jason, Daniel, it's been uh, great uh, being part of this podcast, and it's been great talking a little bit of Southwest Ohio sports. want to say hi to everyone listening aboard. I'm waving, but you can't see because I live in a different house. No, um, yeah, it's, it's been really great. I love this podcast so far. It was really nice to be able to contribute some articles into Ohio Hockey Digest this year for Southwest Ohio Hockey, and hopefully I can do it again for 2020-2021. Absolutely. And we look forward to talking to you again as we hopefully get rolling with some of this hockey and, and the season starts and trying to just take, get your take on what's going on in, in Southwest Ohio and uh, try to inform everybody, not only in the state, but all around uh, the, the country that listens to our podcast. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. And here's hoping to more hockey fans Here's hoping. All right. <laughs> Thanks Lee. We'll talk to you soon. We're heading down US 35, heading to Oxford, Ohio for our next guest, head coach of the Talawanda Brave, Mr. Zach Sens. The third period of today's podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. The Ohio Hockey Project is taking their training beyond the arena during the challenging COVID-19 pandemic with the Ohio Hockey Project at-home program. 
Families can register at www.ohiohockeyproject.com or by calling Russ Zinkowich at 440-503-3432. Our next guest returned to his alma mater this season to lead the Talawanda Brave to a 31-8-2 record in a Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League championship, which hadn't been done since 2009 when he was playing on that team as a freshman. The Brave team posted 211 goals, four, and only 85 against, and posted an impressive list of, list of victories against the likes of Bowling Green, Finley, Amherst, Hudson, Kenston, and Kent Roosevelt. Please welcome on air the 2019-2020 Cincinnati Inquirer Coach of the Year from the Talawanda Brave head coach, Zach Sens. Welcome, Coach. Thank you, Wowzers. That was awesome. Well, you did it. We didn't. So <laughs> we're just we're just reading it, man. You you did it. I appreciate it. Congratulations on a on a great first year, uh, or as they say, great first campaign. Um, it had to be nice to go back to your alma mater and be able to take the helm, uh, and then be able to have such a wonderful season like that. Uh, so, first of all, congratulations on the Southwest uh, Championship in your first year. Um, what I guess this is uh, right off the bat. Was it more rewarding winning it as a coach or as a player? Um, I don't know. I, I both victories were pretty lopsided, so both times it's kind of conceded by the uh, you know second or third period. You kind of knew it was coming, but uh, I think there was cool things about both. I was at the end of the three P as a freshman. I really didn't know what what to expect. Now this year, I think I tried to bring bring back a little tradition. I think the kids actually really. Uh, they're like, wow, that was really cool what we uh, we accomplished because there was such a lull there for about ten years, and they, you know, and everyone kind of forgot that that was the end goal. Is, you know, you want to win your league every year. So I thought, uh, I'd say as a coach, it was way cool to kind of bring that back. Uh, I didn't really appreciate it as much as a player because we were having so much uh, success at the time. So with everything that's going on right now in a pandemic era, I guess, how are you uh, yourself and the boys handling all the limitations that the coronavirus pandemic is is causing us? I guess. I think everyone's just kind of going nuts. Uh, I, I actually just got a text from one of our defensemen a couple hours ago. He's like, hey, what are summer workouts? What are summer skates? I'm like, hey, we're just going to have to wait on it. Um, they've got home stuff they can do. Uh, we've, we've been sending out to them. But I actually talked to our athletic director this morning. And uh, we're, you know, we're on one year, we're on year to year contracts. So they just said, you know, hey, you don't have a contract for next year yet. And the school's not going to approve any supplemental uh you know, employees until they do. So our athletics director and our football coach are the only ones allowed to run workouts at our uh, high school right now. So we're just kind of sitting still and treading water. And I, uh, I get as much info after the boys as I can, but right now it's, uh, it's just a weird time for everybody. And we're just going day to day. You know, I think one of the hardest things is the unknown, right? And that, that's the hardest thing in this. We know, we know the kids want to get back on the ice. We know the kids want to get back, I don't know, in the baseball field, whatever it may be. The unknown of not – for us us as adults, teachers, coaches, we're supposed to be able to give them the answer, right? And exactly. and we can't, you know? And it's really no one's fault. I mean, it's we just don't know, and, and we're waiting. Um, and, you know, we've listened to a few of your interviews uh, leading up to uh, this podcast – and you, you talked about the boys buying into the message from the start. Um, can, can you share a little bit with us about what the message was and what changes did you feel that you needed to make coming in on your first year uh, as the head coach of your alma mater? Uh, 
So Tal Wonder, I, I would say over the last few years, he's got a, you know, ML has been a pretty rough and tough team. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of physical play, a lot of penalties, um, big grind out uh, hockey game. And we've, we have a lot of talent this year. And I, uh, I, for one, I buy into the fact that I can, I can tie anyone playing five on five using our scheme. So if we stay out of the box and we play a fast game that we're going to have a chance against just about anybody. And uh, there was a little, you know, our senior group who didn't know me quite as well as the uh, younger kids, uh, they were a little hesitant, but then they bought in and all of a sudden we were going games with one penalty, two penalties. And all of a sudden, you know, we're having a lot of success and, you know, we beat uh, Finley early in the year. And that was kind of one big one circled on the uh, schedule. And they're like, Oh, this, you know, this could work. If we stay out of the box, we're pretty tough to play against. And, you know, there, we kind of had that, uh, that was our kind of our ego going in. Uh, we won the Kent Roosevelt tournament this year. We're playing Hudson on Sunday and then they are just tough. They're fast and physical and, our kids are just getting, you know, beat up everywhere. And they're, they're just smiling every time they come out of the corner. They're like, hey, guess what? We're going to be fine. You're not going to score the shift. And we get a couple bounces and uh, we end up winning the game. So they, uh, they, they had to see the, they had to see the, see the success. But uh, luckily we had enough early where they bought in. What's the one saying? It says, uh, when all else fails, try doing what your coach said to do the first time. Exactly. Is that how that, is that that's how that saying goes? Hey, you had some impressive wins over some big time opponents. Uh, obviously, you just spoke about the Hudson win and, and winning at the Kent Roosevelt tournament. How key was it to have uh, for you guys to have such a strong strength of schedule leading into your league to, to your league games and then the league tournament? Um. So that was, uh, I think, one of our areas of weakness this year. I made the schedule kind of on the fly. I got the job in September, and I was like. Oh no, we need to, we need to bump this up. We got a lot of talent this year. We got to bump it up. You call every top ten team in the state. No one wants to play you. Uh, so getting these teams to the schedule. Luckily, I've got a really good relationship with uh, Amherst head coach and Strongville head coach and uh, Kent Roosevelt head coach. And we got in a couple key tournaments. But you know, at the end of the day, I, I wish we could have played you know even more you know strong teams. And the, the goal at the end of the year was to have thirty wins. It was to be ready for the state tournament, which I think we were, but we didn't see anyone. Uh, quite up to Arlington's uh, standards by the time we got there. So I think uh, it did help us. They were tougher teams than before, but I think we could be, we're trying to push it even farther for next year. Right. Did, did, did you get a chance to uh, go watch coach Morris when he was at Miami? Um, I did not, but uh, so the director of hockey operations here was his roommate. I, I <laughs> grabbed beers and wings with him uh, every Monday and playing a rails with him. And then, Steve stays in my house when he comes into town. So we've got a really good relationship. And I grew up with his son, Connor. Yeah, Steve's a great dude. Great dude. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've we've uh we've had a lot of uh interesting hockey talks with Steve over the past, just you know, with him, you know, coaching up here and stuff, and he just sees man, he's what a hockey knowledge that guy is. Oh, he's hysterical. I uh we're camps with him and he speaks a different language. Uh we're teaching peewees how to shoot and he's just going here, here, boom. And uh, kids are yeah. like, uh, hey, uh, what did he just say? I'm like, he's a leading scorer in Miami history. Don't worry about it. He's, yeah, he's whatever he says, whether you understand it or not, just do it. Exactly. So, uh, you know, so I, I guess, you know, getting a head coach's perspective uh, from the South is going to be huge with this next question. Uh, we talked to Lee Malwin earlier today um, about, and this was one of the questions we asked as well, because you know it's we want we want to get the voice of the South uh, to hear what their thoughts on you know there's been a huge push uh, to try to take the uh, the Ohio High School Athletic Association to two or three divisions uh, yeah. for hockey. What's your thoughts on that? Um, I 
I, I think it puts us in contention for a state championship, so I'm all for it. As of right now, it, there's no parity of play. Um, you know, you can say what you do. Ignatius is – they're there, and they're not going anywhere for a while. So, uh, in beating the Gilmores of the world and beating, the, you know, the, these, the North Views and the St. Francis, like, it's just – it's a miracle run for a team like us or a team like, you know, I don't know, uh, Finley or – men or any of those teams that come out of those districts and uh you know go for that run it's a miracle run you gotta win three huge games in a row which asking a bunch of 16 17 18 year olds to do is it's a tall task so i mean they're gonna write movies about these teams if they do it which i mean it should be a regular basis it should be competitive every single year and it's not right now um and that's no there's no hate for ignatius but that's just the way it is i mean they are you know they're top of the class and no one's even close would you would you say that you would uh, I don't know I mean, would you like two divisions three divisions like what what's your thought process on that as as a, I, as, a, as a hockey coach I've looked at it a couple different ways I think with the eighty teams we have ish I think two divisions fits well um, if you go big and small that puts us I think right in D two which we love but then again you get I think you get teams uh, at the D one level that are also out of place so I, I think there's there's no good answer for it because. You know, hockey is not really based on size of school. Um, you know, you got you got small schools everywhere that have good teams. You got big schools everywhere that have bad teams. So, it's it's really it's a really complicated uh, issue because hockey is such a niche sport. So, so instead of saying big school, small school, or private school, public school, you know, just I mean, if you can, just what would what would be your like what would be your thoughts? Uh, they could go the my hockey route and just take the top 41 from the year before and just say, hey, you guys duke it out for the D1 and the bottom 42 duke it out for D2. But then you know, whoever 39 and 40 are going to be pissed. Uh, you know, I, it's it's tough. Uh, or you, you just say there's true D1 like uh, they do with football and say, hey, you have this many boys in your school. You've got to be a Division One hockey team. But, you know, if you go to – you know, Cleveland Heights or wherever, they're going to struggle at that D1 level. So I, it's a really, I think, unclear. And I think that's why maybe uh, the powers that be haven't really touched it. Right. Right. It, 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 go ahead, Jay. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, that's, it's, it's why it's been a topic of discussion for multiple years. You know, where is the break? If there's a break, what is the criteria to create multiple divisions? And, it, it, you know, as, as Zach said, we're a niche sport. You can't you can't govern hockey, which unfortunately, in my opinion, the OHSA does, as if we are basketball, as if we are football, which are you know basically king sports of our state. So you know you could if you take the size of school, you're going to have some small schools that can blow away what would be D1, but because of the size of school, they're D2. So where 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 does it fit? How do you break it down? Do you take, and I know we've had this discussion before, of, of do you take what is considered a red division in every, every region and that becomes D1? And then it's up to that region's uh, league uh, board of governors or however it's governed to say, okay, you know, you're going to move based on whatever, whatever their criteria is. Okay, you went from red division, now you're down into a white or into a blue. Okay, well, that puts you into a division two stand status, but where, where does it sit? Where does it fall? Where does it lie? Why are we, go- how, who is governing us and how come it can't be more hockey based? I mean, I guess that's my soapbox for the day. So we've got uh, 
an interesting kind of thing going on in Southwest Ohio because our league basically is conceding the state tournament uh, at this point. Uh, Mason High School, which is a huge high school, didn't even go this year. They opted not to play, which, uh, you know, that's their, that's their uh, prerogative. And then uh, Beaver Creek High School actually hosts a postseason tournament now, which is, I guess, uh, it is sanctioned by OHSA, and they're basically calling it the Division II tournament. They're calling it the postseason tournament, and uh, they've got like 10 teams that show up, and they're basically all saying, hey, we're not going to go farther than a game in states, which, to be fair, most of them won't. But they are, you know, and then they show up in uh, Dayton or uh, Springfield the next weekend and they play a couple extra games. Is that something that you guys are looking to do? No, uh, we are, us, Moeller and Springboro and X are kind of steering clear. You know, we we have a message like, hey, uh, it all starts and ends at the state tournament. So, you know, we that's our, that's our end goal. And I don't think I want to change that message for, you know, as long as we want to stay competitive. Right. But uh, I think I think a lot of teams are conceding like, hey, we we don't belong in this division. You know, they're getting beat 10 nothing in two periods. It's the minute they go to the state tournament. It's just it's not competitive. But that happens at any sport. I mean, football is the only one with, with a true like, you know, they bring in the top eight from each region and they're all relatively uh, the same caliber. Yeah. Well, it, it's 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 another it's a subject that will continue to be debated until they finally decide that this is how it has to be. And right. until then, we're going to sit here and spin it round and round and round with ideas. So who knows? The, the other big issue I have is uh, if you look at the regions, uh, going at Toledo versus going at a Columbus is, you know, it's a lot harder to play out of our shoes than to be Bowling Green right now. Uh, Bowling Green made a little run at the state tournament this year, but they only had to win one or two games. We had to win six to, you know, go to the district. So it's uh it's tough to be down here and our, our kids are like, well, we beat Finley, we beat Bowling Green, you know, we match up well with all these teams, but they don't have the same road that we have. Especially yeah, it, done. It, it's very unbalanced. I mean, there's there's eleven teams in the in the Toledo district compared to Columbus twenty eight or whatever it is, Cleveland twenty seven, you know, Kent's like, I don't know, twenty one or whatever. It's very it's very unbalanced. I mean, hell, you saw what happened this year when uh St. John's and Northview went right at it, right out of the rip. Exactly. And they knew that was the district championship. There was no other, I mean, right. They might get, they might get a game, but it was, that was the district championship right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just, I, I don't think it's quite, you know, it's, it's hard for me to say if they deserve to go there above, of, you know, there's some really good Columbus teams that have to go through four or five wins, you know, upper Arlington has to win five really good games in a row when Northfield only has to win two. So I guess yeah. it's really tough to say. <laughs> Uh, this 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 conversation could take us a whole hour. We we could sit yeah. here a whole hour and go back and forth on this one. We've we've almost done it uh, numerous times. But going back to your season, I know you said that that the goal wasn't to win. You know what ended up being thirty one wins. Um, it was to improve, but you still had thirty one wins on the season to only eight losses in your first year as a head coach. What do you attribute the quick success to? Um. So I, uh, my roommate's best line is good players make good coaches. Um, I'm very fortunate. We had zero freshmen and we had a really, really strong, uh, like influx of kids that came in. So we basically merged two teams this year. We had 10 returners and 10 kids come in and the, I, it was just a marriage made in heaven. Like the kids loved each other. They, they grew up together, but there, uh, there's a stigma down in Southwest Ohio where, kids play club hockey versus 
uh, OHSA mm-hmm. hockey. So getting those kids to come over and play for Talawana is tough. Uh, you know, my roommate is the head coach of Miami's club uh, high school team. So we're fighting kids and, you know, we're a big rivalry in town. And I happened to grab three of his better players this year. And we, you know, we drastically improved. Two of them are leading scorers. And all of a sudden we are, a, we're a completely different team just, you know, on jersey numbers and names. So did, did you, that, did you say you took three of your roommates players? Uh, they, no, they, I mean, you you were you were able to get. I don't mean it in a in a bad or illegal way. Sorry, oh, I just no, say. Sorry, but uh, we we try to make them let let them make their own decisions. But uh, like yeah, yeah, were, I know. I, I coached <laughs> them as I, I coached the band and team here for several years, and I coached them before, and I got the job, and they're like, hey, I think we're gonna make the jump, and you know, it worked out. Do you, do you guys, how, yeah, how'd that go over? <laughs> yeah, do you, uh-huh. did you guys do you guys then fight over the remote control too, or how does it work? <laughs> It was fun. We uh, we had a couple dinners on it, and uh, we had a good time. He, he was a little salty. I, I think we won. We went two zero and one against him this year, and there were three really good games. But it was it was awesome, uh, kind of getting back to him. Did you guys drive? Uh, to the, did, you, did you guys drive to the rink together for those games? Well, he uh, he works at the rink. I tried. I was like, hey, like you want to wear the same shirts and ties? Like, like, you know, it was uh, it was a good time though. That's funny. That's good stuff, man. At least you guys are having fun with that. That's good. But uh, we're going to talk about your team here in, in a bit. But I think one of the uh, – if I was a player in uh, the Oxford area and I was able to go have my home rink be Goggins Arena at the university, uh, I think that would be pretty cool. I mean, you're, you're talking about one of the major Division One hockey programs in the NCHC conference, and you play at their home rink. I mean, how, how is that for the boys? It is, uh, it's unbelievable. It's, they are, they're spoiled and jaded. Like they don't know what they have. Uh, they throw a hissy fit when we go down to Cincinnati and play at some of the older barns. Like uh, we play up at uh, wherever Amherst plays, maybe the half, half is outdoors. And they're just like, <laughs> what is going on right now? I'm like, you guys are so spoiled. Like, it's, did, did you guys, did you guys get the dressing room inside or the one that was actually outside in the rink that's freezing? <laughs> we it's uh the, there are brand new locker rooms on the back side of the rink that's where we were at oh you're uh, lucky. right next you're lucky you got you got lucky <laughs> and, and, and if you ever get a chance to skate there when it's foggy and the only way to lift the fog is to skate you get in shape really quick <laughs> yeah, anyway sorry to, to, sorry to interrupt yeah we've played through it before <laughs> it's uh yeah they are very spoiled but at the same time we've got great facilities and it's it's hard to complain they always have good ice it, it's easy to convince teams to come down for the most part, uh, getting Finley and Bowling Green. And uh, we had a couple of Columbus teams come down. They're like, Hey, can we play? They, but they only want to play on the main ice. They don't want to play on the practice sheet. I'm like, the practice sheet's still better than anything else you play on. So getting that across is, is tough, but we uh, we're very, very lucky and they've got everything they need. And Miami's very, very good. To us. Like it's whatever we need. It, it's done. What do you want people to know? about Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League? Um, or, or, or just hockey in, in, in general, not just the league, but hockey yeah, in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're here. We, uh, you know, I think we, we get a bad rap because we're not sending anyone out of the district every year. But, you know, we've had three pretty good programs leave in the last 10 years. Moeller, X, and Springboro. Like, those are Southwest Ohio teams. Um, you know, there's good hockey down here. We're just kind of we, – we also lost – uh, two sheets of ice in the last five years you know we lost the Cincinnati Gardens and that that's a killer so you know numbers have gone down but we're hoping you know you know hockey's kind of on the rise Miami's youth numbers are through the roof Dayton's getting better uh, I think 
I think we're moving in the right direction, but we had a huge setback. So I, I, I think in a couple of years, you might see a little bit of a turn from the competitive edge. I think, but right now, I, I think teams are struggling just to build teams. Uh, but I think that was just, that was all, that all started because we just lost that ice. And, uh, but I think we are so competitive. You know, Moeller is a good hockey team. Springboro is a good hockey team. X can play. You know, we can play now. It's, it's, you know, we're here. We can skate with just about anybody. So, so if you were sitting in a, a Zoom call, and you were able to talk to the Columbus coaches and the Cleveland coaches and the Toledo coaches, what would you say to them about, you know, Southwest hockey right now? Uh, don't judge us, come play us. Like it's, uh, there's this big, none of the red, none of the red division uh, teams in Columbus will answer an email. Like it's just, we've been begging them. We've been beating on their door. We're like, Hey, we're going to be good for the next couple of seasons. We've got a great group. Come play us. You know, we'll host, we'll come there. Uh, we actually offered to join the Columbus League the last couple of years, and they voted us out because of the drive, and uh, which I get. But we, like, we want to play you guys. Uh, we don't have, uh, you know, we've I've emailed Sylvania Northview, St. John's. You know, I've emailed most of the big schools in the state asking to play, and it's just getting that response is just not happening. What's your email address? How can these coaches get a hold of you? <laughs> Send Z at talwanda.org. Uh yeah, anytime we got plenty of slots open for the new year, we got we host the Thanksgiving tournament. Like we can make it happen. Um, I'm, trying got, to pu- I'm trying to push for you here, but you know that <laughs> we've got no ego about getting beat. Like I said, our goal is not to win 30 games, but we want to be competitive and we want to play uh, play whoever. So speaking of that, uh, you had 31 wins again. What a great year, your first year, and you you did it with only graduating five seniors. Um, as a coach, I know that's a good that's a good feeling to be able to have a successful year with only uh, a few seniors. Uh, you know, you hate to see the seniors leave, but you also yeah. like to have the, uh, your team come back, the majority of your team come back. What, what what are you looking to build on for next season? And then, you know, what is that? What does next season's outlook look like? Um, I, I think we're going to be really strong. I think we got our we had a sophomore goalie last season. Uh, I coached him since he was. I think second year Pee Wee, he's a, he's a great kid, but he, he needs some, uh, he needs some time this year and he towards the state tournament. He's ready to go. I'm excited to see where he goes. Uh, I think he's gonna have a great year. We've got our two leading scorers coming back. I think we're gonna score a lot of goals. I think we're going to be a lot of fun to watch. We're going to have a fast team and back to my roommate. I think a couple of his kids are uh, going to jump over and help us out. So I think again, it could be, uh, I think we're going to have it like 10 seniors when we were only expecting to have about five. So it's going to be a good year. You're gonna need a new roommate, man. Uh, he's moving out in a month. So, uh, <laughs> oh, there you go. Then there you yeah, go. All right, take them all. Take them all. Forget it. Hey, hey. Oh, you're moving out. Good. By the way, I'm taking three more of your kids. <laughs> and don't, and don't forget to leave the keys. <clears throat> he's a good sport. He's. I think he's getting some kids from Cincy, so it'll be a big little matchup. Well, 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 good. Well, Zach, we appreciate you coming on and talking about uh, your team, uh, talking about the Talawanda Brave, talking about Southwest hockey. Uh, again, congratulations on a great uh, inaugural year for you uh, as the head coach. Um, you know, we really hope that we can get through this stuff soon so you can get uh, back with your guys and, and you know, uh, working in the summer and, and have another good year. Um, and I would say this, um, you know, to those teams out there, if you're looking for a, uh, a game with a, a quality team down in South uh, Ohio, uh, get a hold of Coach Zenz. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Hey, my email's out there. I'm not hard to find, so I got nothing to do, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, Coach, thanks again. Appreciate it. I appreciate it, guys. 
Well, we had two good interviews today uh, with Lee Malwin and uh, Zach Sens from Talawanda Brave Hockey. Uh, it was great to get the uh, uh, knowledge of, you know, like a broadcaster, like from Lee. That was that was neat. Uh, I would love to be a broadcaster at some point, but I, like he talked about Doc Emmerich's vocabulary. I just don't have it, man. And to have guys like that that can do it, that's pretty cool. I think that if we were broadcasters in some way, shape, or form, we'd have a broadcaster. We'd ha- well, we'd have the play-by-play. We'd have the color commentator, and we'd have the guy on the beep button. Just because the vocabulary isn't probably what it <laughs> yeah. should be. Well, no, I definitely like, have the vocabulary. It's just not appropriate for like uh, <laughs> television. <laughs> now, it was cool to hear Lee's excitement for sport. Is his exuberance for what he does transcends sports? So it doesn't matter what he's covering or, or what he's announcing or broadcasting. He has an excitement for it, and he tries to bring that through with his voice and being as descriptive as possible and sharing that with the, with the listening audience, which that, that was cool. We don't normally get to speak with broadcasters. So but it, was, I, I, it, was, yeah, it was different. Yeah. And I also like his view on, on the game and, and hockey and, and, you know, Columbus and Cincinnati and the Dayton area, you know, he, he knows a lot of players and a lot of teams on there. So just to get his, his uh, view of that was cool. And, and one of the teams that he talked a lot about was the Talawanda Brave. And we had a great chance to talk to with coach uh, Zach Zenz, uh, and Coach Zenz was, you know, that was a great interview. It was, it was interesting to listen to his uh, ride up to how he became the head coach, uh, stealing his roommate's players. That uh, obviously <laughs> interesting. Um, yes. But but then also with him talking about, hey, I think one like one of the greatest things that he said in the interview was, um, you know, come play us. You know, like let's let's play. I mean, we want to be there, and in order to be there, we got to get there. So. Someone give us a chance, and uh, hopefully teams do. I believe it is the, the the one and only himself, Rick Flair, that says, "To be the man, you got to beat the man." Right. And it was really cool to hear and watch the smile come over his face when he said it. Of we're here, come and play. Yeah. I mean, he he has that confidence in not only his coaching ability more so he has the confidence in his player's ability. And from listening to him talk about, you know, how the season went and what they were trying to accomplish, obviously that message got through because they they improved when they saw the results of what he was pushing. And great for him, great for Telwanda, great for hockey in the south of Ohio. And and he was cool. He was a lot of fun to talk to. I enjoyed that. Definitely for sure. Well, Jay, we spent the uh the day down south. Uh in yeah, the yeah. in the uh, Oxford region in the Cincinnati region, in the uh, Natty, in Natty, and, and down near Springboro and Centerville. So now we got to get back on the bus and head home, man. Uh, that'll do it for episode eight of On Air. We'd like to thank our guests, the voice of the Springboro Panthers and the Centerville Elks, Lee Mowen, and the head coach, the Talawanda Brave, Coach Zach Zenz. Please stop back to see us next week when we will head south again to Columbus and be joined by 12-year NHL veteran and former Buckeye, R.J. Umberger. We will also be sitting down with two members of the Ohio State Buckeye women's hockey team as Padua High School's own Lindsey Wallace and Rocky River High School's own Elise Freeman Schneider join us to talk about their careers and what it was like heading to the NCAAs before the COVID pandemic abruptly canceled their season.
You can find the on-air podcast at www.ohiohockeydigest.com with full episodes archived as well as a list of future guests. You can also subscribe to On Air on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Continue to grow the game the best as we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. Here it is, a groove slightly transformed. Just a bit of a break from the norm. Just a little something to break the monotony of all that hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control. It's cool to dance, but what about a groove that soothes and moves romance? Give me a soft, subtle mix. And if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it. And think of the summers of the past. Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast. Pop in my CD and let me run around and put your car on cruise and lay back, cause it's summertime.